This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by the Engineering Management Institute, where we focus on helping engineers and technical professionals become effective managers and powerful leaders. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. All right, in today's episode, I am really excited because I'm going to be speaking with Chris Goatee from the John Maxwell Company about their five levels of leadership model. I'm really excited about this. I've been a John Maxwell fan for a long time. If you haven't heard of John Maxwell, you can Google him. He's got plenty of books on leadership. In fact, we'll link to his books and his website in the show notes for this episode, but he's very well known in the field of leadership development. I asked John to come on the podcast, but he's of course super, super busy and always on the road and traveling as is his associate, Chris, but Chris did agree to really make this work for us. And he came on, I thought he gave us a great interview with terms of breaking down leadership. It's a very complex term. And the fact that he does it through these five levels of leadership is really awesome because for me as an engineer, someone who likes analytical framework, that's what we got here for leadership, which is not an analytical thing. I mean, let's be clear about that. In fact, what you'll find he talks most about in this interview is people. And in fact, at the end of the show, if you hang with me for the Take Action Today segment, I'm going to give you something you can do to be more engaged with the people that you lead, which I think will be really helpful for you in your leadership efforts. Now, I also want to mention, and I want to thank you because the Engineering Career Coach podcast was ranked again as one of the top career podcasts in 2018, according to Max List, which is a pretty well-established list at this point. We've been on it several times before. Just really excited about it. and just wanted to say thank you for listening and for supporting the podcast that continues to grow. All right, so before I get into the interview with Chris, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Please stick around later on this episode for my essential career advancement tips. I'm going to be sharing info on where you can find practical advice and the best resources for your licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to our listeners thanks to PPI. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. I also want to mention that if you're listening to this episode as it's coming out here in late April, you may still have a few days to register for the next session of our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. We've created an individual track. So if you're not someone that's company is going to enroll them on a team, if you're not on the corporate team track, you can enroll yourself. We'll take you through the skill building courses as well and give you assignments that you can take to improve your communication skills, to become more productive to be better at leading projects and teams. And then at the end of the session, you'll be able to get on a group coaching call with the other individuals in the individual track, and we can walk through some of the assignments and some of the progress you made and give you a framework for continuing to develop those managerial skills after the session. You can find out all the information at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. It's a five-week online course but you only have to put in about two to three hours a week. So it's not something where you're consistently doing it all week and it's all remotely. So please check that out again. It's engineer2manager.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, just so you get to know a little bit more about him before we dive in. Chris Goatee has 
been personally mentored by John C. Maxwell and has represented John's leadership DNA for more than 15 years. Prior to joining the John Maxwell company, Chris launched and led high-growth startup companies in the real estate manufacturing industries and has an extensive background in executive management. Chris is passionate about John's five levels of leadership, which provides a comprehensive growth process to maximizing an emerging leader's ability to lead beyond their titles, to develop strong relationships, and lead to higher production. And I love talking about that, and you'll hear that in the interview about you know, forgetting about titles when it comes to leadership. You've got to engage and connect with people. Chris studied sports management and business at Liberty University, where he played college football before joining the Canadian Football League. He's an active member of various advisory boards, influencing change in his local communities, playing professional and college football, board advisory, raising teenage athletes, and Maxwell's five levels of leadership are all things that Chris keeps himself busy with. All right, now I want to give you a quote to take us into the episode. And of course, the quote is from none other than John C. Maxwell himself. And the quote is as follows. Leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It is about one life influencing another. All right, now I'm excited to welcome Chris Godey. Chris is the Vice President of Client Success for the John Maxwell Company. I'm really excited to welcome him to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Chris, welcome. Anthony, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today on behalf of John Maxwell Company, but specifically on behalf of John Maxwell. So appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a huge fan of John for many years and have read many of his books, and he's inspired me quite a bit, especially in the field of leadership, which we're going to talk about today. So I'm really glad you made it. Leadership is something in today's world, especially in the engineering world and all these different technical projects and technology going on. It's just really, really important. So I'm glad that we're going to get to kind of pick your brain on that a little bit. Absolutely. So Chris, our listeners are really very, usually project and team oriented. Engineers and technical professionals are building projects that are either going to be, you know, new buildings for cities or new technology like AI and things that are going to have automated cars and things like that. So there's just a lot of moving parts on the project. So really wanted to talk to you a little bit about how one can really develop their leadership skills as we move forward in such a fast-paced world. I think this is a great question. You know, leadership is not one thing, it's many things. And how John has always kind of defined leadership, and it's what obviously we believe in, is John states that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And what's interesting is when you think about that, I know Harvard Business Review did a study that said, if we broke down the percentages of successful leaders between EQ and IQ, EQ being kind of the emotional intelligence of things, and IQ being a skill set, and even with those listeners you know, listening to the podcast today, I have no doubt you have to have a skill set, right? We all have to have some level of skill set when it comes to what we're doing and the success there. But when we're talking about leading people and leadership and influence, and I will interchange those words during our time together because they are one and the same for us. Harvard came back and said 85% of the successful leaders were able to understand and excel on the EQ side versus 15% of those on the EQ or the skill set side. And so when I think about what you were talking about, fast pace and, and many projects, man, there is 
nothing more important than for your listeners to understand kind of the power of influence, especially when they are not leading them because they're on their team. They may be on a project, but they don't have a, a direct report to them. And it's just the power of influence will be key through what they're doing. That's a great way to think of it as leadership is influence. I mean, obviously it's a complex topic and there's a lot of avenues to it, but I feel like when we talk about it, like, and try to simplify components of it so that you can actually take action on it, saying that it's influence and thinking of it in those terms can kind of help people because I think anytime you think something is too complicated, it's hard for you to take action on it. And that's not what we want to have happen. And I know that you guys and John talks about a lot. You have these five levels of leadership, which I think is a good thing to talk about because I know as engineers and technical professionals, anything that can be framed out for us or broken down in steps or levels is often helpful. So maybe you can maybe talk us through that program or your descriptions using the leadership, the levels. I think that's a great point because I think this is probably the most requested content, training, consulting, coaching piece that is requested by corporate America, by our organization, is the five levels of leadership. And it does. It, it talks about you know the different levels of influence. And if, if we can all agree that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less than, again, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in our community, whether it's, it's leading a, a project team, we understand that we have influence over people. What we must understand is that these levels are always working, right? And as we talk about it today, yeah, we're going to talk about levels, you know, one, two, three, four, and five. And I don't mind if you visualize them kind of as a, a stepping up stairs. But at the end of the day, what you need to be aware of is that they're almost tools that you can use at different times of your leadership. And you'll need to understand that you are on different levels with different people all the time. And that's a powerful statement that may not make a lot of sense right now, but I'll take some time. And as we go through these five levels, it'll make more sense in just a few minutes. But when you think about one of the reasons why we really believe in this methodology, this is the model of which we teach leadership, is because there's a couple of things that I think have to happen in order for you to change anything. If we wanted to enhance a culture, change a culture, develop culture, whatever we're trying to do, whether even if it was around safety, if it was around your vision, if it was around your mission, if it was around your project goal, whatever it is, I think these three things have to happen in order for you to create change or success in a certain area. I think you have to have common language, right? So as a leader, no matter what you're doing, you have to have a common language. You have to be speaking the same language as a team. And as a leader, you need to be leading the way and speaking that common language. So often we could probably sit around the room right here. And I know I go into boardrooms all the time, Anthony, and, and I'll be like, hey, how do we define leadership? And personally, how do you define it? Organizationally, how do you define it? And if I had 10 executives at the table, I promise you, I'd have at least seven different answers. Because we've all been mentored, coached. We've all had successful leaders. We've all had some that we don't really want to think about or talk about. And at times, those attributes or, that, or those competencies that we learned or inherited from them come to our mind. And so what we have to do as leaders, is we got to figure out, how do I create a common language? And I'm specifically speaking today around leadership. And this five levels model gives you as a leader, a common language to use. I, I use it even inside our office and our organization. John's a big believer in Hey, listen, we better make sure that we're living out 
what we're impacting corporate America with. And so I use it inside our organization and in a way for my team to understand kind of where we're at, where we're going, the intensity of the moment sometimes when deadlines are approaching and, and I just can't be as relational or connect with them. I'll, I'll use certain language around the five levels that they automatically go, I got it. Chris needs to get something done right away. It's not that he doesn't care about me or it's not that, you know, whatever. It cuts down all the water cooler talk, all kinds of things. So there's three things. First one is common language. I think you have to have a common language. The second part is, is that, and I kind of fleshed it out a little bit for you there, is that as a leader, once you begin to speak that common language, you'll see that your team or people or those that you influence begin to believe a little bit differently, or they begin to believe the common language, the principles behind the common language of what you're kind of articulating to them. And then the third piece is once they begin to believe, you'll see their behaviors change, which ultimately drive the results, hopefully for the change that you originally wanted when you developed the common language, because you knew you needed to, to make a change. So it's common language, beliefs, and behaviors. We could spend a lot of time on each one of those, but today, what I thought I would do, if it's okay with you, is just take a few more minutes and actually go through what the five levels model looks like as influence, as a leader, and hopefully, you may be able to grab a nugget or two out of here that that creates a common language for you, your leadership, or your team. If that's okay with you, I'll just kind of jump in to the five levels. Yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Okay. John, probably... And 20 years ago, maybe it's even more than that, John wrote a book called Developing the Leader Within You. And the very first chapter of that book, he laid out this model. And it wasn't probably till about six or seven years ago that the business community began to grab hold of it. And John then wrote an entire book on it. And so John, about seven years ago, wrote a book called The Five Levels of Leadership. And so that's the model that we're going to talk about today. But he talks a lot in his 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership book, which is probably the one most are recognized of John's body of work. And in there, he talks about one of the laws is the law of process. So whether we're developing a leader, developing leaders, developing our culture, we're trying to increase our employee engagement, by the way, which is a big problem today. We're trying to decrease the amount of turnover, increase retention, which is a big bottom line problem. I tell people all the time from a consulting standpoint, you know, if they're in bad trouble, we'll come in and, and I'll say, look, here's two questions for you. How much cash do you have on hand and when's your next payroll? But more importantly, can you give me a report by turnover by department? And I'm going to immediately be able to begin solving some of your problems. But everything's a process, right? And so the five levels methodology is a process that John developed and used to add value and impact in, in developing leaders and changing and enhancing cultures. So let me dive in and uh, I'll try to be brief. I get passionate about it. And so I'll kind of go off on some tangents, but I want to give you some of this content. And level one is people follow you or you have influence with them because they have to. We call this the position or the rights level. And here's the thing. Your organization thought enough of you to give you that title. So congratulations. I mean, it's a good thing. Level one influence or leadership is not a bad thing. It's a great place to start. But here's the problem. 80% of people stay at level one, and they never progress through the levels of leadership. And so, man, our mission is, is that how do we get people to understand that you can't stay at level one? Because at this level, although there are a lot of positive things, there's a lot of upsides to having a, a title whether it's your first title in an organization or a promotional title, whatever it is, you start over at level one, there's a lot of good things. 
some of the things that are kind of downsides to this level is that a lot of people mistake position as leadership for actual leadership. They don't really even understand what that looks like. And people at this level will follow you because they have to. And when that's the case, you're not getting a whole lot of extra energy or effort for them. You're not getting what I like to call the discretionary effort that your team members have inside them. They're just not giving it to you. And when you have level one influence with them, oftentimes you'll, the mindset, and we probably, not probably, I know we've all had this mindset where we've worked for a leader and they were a level one leader to us. And so we had this mindset, which is what is the least I have to do to keep my job, right? This is where team members are punching in in the morning and and at about 4.45, you see them packing up their briefcase, tying their tennis shoes, and at 4.58, they're running out the door, right? Like, you're not getting any of that extra effort if you're just a level one leader or influence to them. And so you're not going to get a lot of uh, energy or commitment of their time to help you grow the organization or achieve a, a certain goal or a project that you guys are trying to work on. And so what you got to do is you got to figure out, okay, yeah, I, level one is by title. So how do I begin to now to shift from level one to level two? And level two, John defines level two leadership or influence as people follow you because they want to. This is what we call the permission level. So if level one was the rights level, level two is the permission level. And this is more than just about building relationships with people. It's developing the ability to connect with them. And this is the foundation of leadership. Again, you know, some people are like, well, I'm not very relational. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm not asking you to be, sit down and say, hey, how was little Sally soccer game last night when you really don't care about little Sally soccer game? But there are ways to go about connecting with your team so that people want to follow you and not just because they have to, right? And John often says, man, listen, people won't go along with you. They don't get along with you. And some of the ways that you can actually connect, and I'll just throw a couple out there that come to my mind is say, you know, going through adversity together on a team connects. Being vulnerable with each other connects. Are you guys aligned with the proper purpose and do they know that? Do they feel like you believe in them? Do they know that they, they have your belief in them? It's funny, I'll tell you a quick story, Anthony. My son, he's a junior in high school this year. We're based out of Atlanta and uh, he has been given a lot of great gifts. One of it being what I call eye candy. And at 17, he's 6'6", 240, and so he's a good high school football player and been recruited by all of the Division One schools throughout the United States. And so he's had his choice where he wants to go to school, and I'm glad to say I'm from Atlanta. I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan. He chose the Georgia Bulldogs, and so we're excited about that. But I share the story with you because I want to tell you a little bit about belief as a leader. So my son going through a process of being recruited by these schools, before he had any offers, this is probably two years ago, we had a week-long schedule of camps that he was going to attend at all these SEC and ACC schools, and he would perform with all these campers, and then we'd meet the coaches and all that kind of good stuff. And So it was Monday through Friday, five big Division One schools. Well, our first visit was to the University of Georgia, and the coaches can't kind of talk to you on site there as a recruit. They can't offer you, but we were asked to give a call a little bit later on that evening and receive a call. And so we ended up talking to Kirby Smart. And Kirby said, hey, listen, I want you to know, man, I really liked what I saw today. I know you're young. You got a little ways to go. But I'm just telling you right now, I want to be the first one to offer you full scholarship to the University of Georgia. So my son was elated. But Kirby said, here's the deal. He said, I don't want you to post it on social media. 
I don't want you to talk about it, anything until after this week. He said, I know where you're going this week. A little funny side story. These guys seem to know everything about what's going on in the recruiting world. And so he said, I don't want you to say anything about it. And he said, you know why? And my son, you know, young kid times like, no, I don't understand. He goes, well, here's the deal. I want you to go and do what you did today at all those other four schools. And at the end of the week, I want you to get back in touch with us. And I just want to know if all of those coaches saw what I saw today and believed in you enough to offer you a scholarship. And he said, if I, if it goes public today that I offered you a scholarship, he said, what do you think is going to happen the rest of the week? And he said, oh, they'll probably offer me as well. He goes, exactly. So we go through the week, had great reviews, great comments from coaches, but everybody just said, hey, you're young. We'll wait and see. So the moral of the story is at the end on that Friday, no one else offered him except for Kirby at the University of Georgia. Now, a couple years later, he's in his decision-making process, and he has relationships with all these head coaches. And what he remembers the most is that Kirby believed in him before anybody else did and probably more than anybody else did. And so he made a decision along with other reasons why he's going to attend the University of Georgia and hopefully you know, help the Bulldogs compete for a national title someday. So when I talk about relationships, it's more than just the kumbaya. It's how do you create energy from your team so that they maximize what they're giving you? You know, do you think my son is, is now going to give Kirby a little bit more discretionary effort at all times, right? I mean, he's now going to be playing for a guy that he knows deep down inside believes in him. And I think as a leader on, at level two here, again, we're talking about level two influence. People follow you because they want to. There's three things you got to do well here. You have got, as a leader, you have to listen well. You got to listen, learn, and then lead your team. And you've got to find out where your people are. You have, and the only way to do that is to listen. I think the second thing here is you got to observe well. You know, you got to watch your people. It's not what your team will say to you, but rather what they're going to show you. And it's always that whole, you know, don't tell me, show me. And I'm not even from the state of Missouri, but the show me, show me way. And then third, finally here, and this that I just give to your listeners today is I think they have to serve them well. Never use a title or position to lead people, right? You want to work with people, not for people. And you need to make sure that you let them know that, hey, best ideas win, and we're going to partner together. Funny story about John is that when we have executive meetings or leadership meetings, John's an idea guy, and he's an innovator, and he loves opportunities to add value to people. And so he's always got a million ideas. And when he comes to the table, to our executive team, he says, hey, look, here's the deal. This is an opportunity for us to add value to people, to organizations, whatever. This is the idea. You know, what do you guys think? And he's always taught. I've known John now for almost 20 years from day one. He's like, best idea win. He said, matter of fact, if I bring an idea to the table and it doesn't get better or you don't add value or change that idea, you might not be invited back to the next conversation. And that's a true story. But so many times as leaders, we come in with projects and ideas of how we should do things. And we come in with a little bit of, hey, it's my way. And your team's not going to respond well. And so it's this partner together side of things in level two. So Chris, just to recap for myself. So level one is more like as a manager, someone's perspective would be like, my team is going to listen to me basically because I'm their boss, because I have a title. And in level two, the approach is more, I need to really get to know these people and learn about them so that I can lead them and that they want to come with me basically. Man, that's exactly right. The best way to go about this is that they build upon each other, right? So to your point, I'm your boss day one, 
And, you know, hopefully a couple months in, you've under, you know, you've gained my trust and I can see that you want to connect with me and that you want to build a relationship with me. And so you move to that level two side of things. You know, here's the deal. One of the things we talk about, about retention and turnover is that you need to understand that people join companies, they quit people. So if you don't figure this out, what you're going to see is a lot of Corporate America goes straight from level one to level three, which we're going to talk about next around the production side of things, and they skip level two. And it works. It just works in short term. And so what ends up happening is that you end up having a higher turnover because they're quitting people. They're not quitting the organization. They're excited about joining the organization. Unfortunately, they got in there and it really wasn't what they thought it was going to be because the leader that they're connecting with isn't connecting with them. So you're spot on there. So it's level one, level two. Then we go to level three. And John says, this is the production level. We have to produce. If we don't, none of us will have a job, none of us will have a paycheck. And so this is the level to where people are following you. We call it the production level. But people are following you because of what you have done for the organization. So this is the level that builds your credibility as a leader. You still have to be producing yourself. If not, why would anybody want to be on your team? And we all can think back on some teams that we, either the leader of the team or those that had the most influence, we were winning together. They were winning, so we began winning. We've been on losing teams. It's an IQ test there. I don't think we need to talk about which team you'd rather be on. And so you, as a leader at level three, you know, you need to be producing for the organization yourself. You don't deserve to lead someone unless you can lead yourself well. And one of the keys to success in this area is being able to lead yourself well, and you got to lead by example. Leadership is visual, right? People are watching you all the time, right? And John says all the time, John's like, look, let's just be honest with each other. He's like, just be honest with your team and where you struggle and where your weaknesses are, okay? And people just kind of look at him. They're like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, they already know. And when you say it and you admit it, they're, they're going to be like, well, it's about time. Anthony figured that out. We've seen that all along. And so John does it kind of in a humor way, but it's so true, right? Leadership is visual and your, and your people know and they're watching. The other key part about this I just want to talk about briefly is you have to be producing as a leader, not just kind of dictating what's going on, because you're the one that's helping create momentum. And momentum to us is the greatest problem solver of all time. John makes a statement that says 80% of your problems will go away if you're creating momentum as a leader. He says managers solve problems leaders create momentum. And so you got to be having a different uh, mindset, you know, around that. He also says you manage things, processes, and systems, and you lead people. And that's one of the ways that you kind of are able to create momentum. And then I think once you do this as a leader at level three, I've seen it happen. You begin to attract other producers to your team. You'll have people raising their hand saying, man, I want to be a part of Anthony's team, right? He's killing it. He's producing for the organization. And we attract who we are, not what we want. So you can't be making a statement and not delivering that doesn't back up that statement, just like I was talking about leadership being visual. Level one, people follow you because of the title. You're their boss. You have a job. You have a uh, title that they follow you. Level two, people are following you because they want to, right? You've connected with them. Level three, it's people are following you because you're now producing for the organization and they're saying, man, I want to follow him or her because they're getting it. I want to know what it's like to produce for the organization. Now, probably moving into level four, this is probably one of the biggest gaps that I see in corporate America is that uh, level four, four influence is really about, we call it the reproduction level. 
It's really about people development because you have influence over people or people begin to follow you because of what you have done for them. And when this happens, people follow you for one reason, but they won't stay with you for one reason. And so every time you give them another reason to follow you, you strengthen your leadership. And what I mean by that is continuing to find time to pour into mentor, develop, and add value to those that are on your team or those that you see have the ability to become a great leader. I tell boards all the time and leaders, I say, not everybody on your team, and I know you don't need another thing to do on your list of things to do, but not everybody deserves your time. But there's probably 20% of your team that you need to be thinking about, how do I develop, not train, but develop, right? We train on things and develop people to increase their leadership. It's almost like a succession planning process. And so, hey, I'm leaving this project team this quarter, but Anthony, I'm going to be pouring in Anthony in the first quarter because Anthony is then going to be leading people and the project in the second quarter. And so you need to be thinking about who are your 20% that you need to be developing and pouring back into. And I think at this level, I think about three things that John talks about. You need to, as a leader, there's three things that you need to be doing at this level. You need to be recruiting well, you need to be positioning them well, and then you need to be equipping them well. One of the things you want to make sure that you're aware of and that you don't do is you don't want to spend your time developing and equipping someone who's not willing to equip someone else. John's motto for our organization is that we want to add value to people that multiply value in others. And so as you begin thinking about building your influence, your leadership, and or your teams, you got to make sure that uh, you're investing in those that are willing to invest in others. And so finally, level five is the pinnacle level. This is people follow you or you have influence with them because of what you've done for them, the organization, for so long over time that through levels two, three, and four, that right now, if they if they peek their head in your office while you're listening to this podcast, or if they sent you a text, you would hit stop and you would connect with them right away to see what they needed because they're a level five leader to you. As I go back over this, just so you guys kind of understand, level one and level five are given to you. Level one is given to you by the organization. Level five influence or leadership is given to you by those that you lead. Where the work is done is through levels two, three, and four. And we all have natural bent towards one of the levels, meaning probably level two or level three. And so we need to be aware of that. And we need to be aware that this is something that we don't assign to ourselves. I don't walk up to you, Anthony, and go, hey, my name's Chris Goody. Welcome to the organization. I'm a level four leader. That assignment and that title comes from those that you lead. So they say, Anthony would come to me and say, you know, Chris, man, we've worked together for about two years. Man, you have connected with me. We've gone through some adversity and you've been vulnerable and we're killing it as a company and you're killing it production-wise. And so I look at you as a level three leader. And so I tell you that as an example to say that the assignment of influence and levels come from those that are on your team. And then you need to remember as a leader that you are on different levels with different people all the time and you need to lead them that way. Having a framework like that always, like I said earlier, always makes it easier to take action because you can clearly see kind of the road ahead. You can clearly see the goals that you can pursue. And, and, you know, and I think like Chris said, you're not going to, it's not like you're going to get to a level and, you know, nominate yourself for the level. It's all going to come from the people, the people that you're leading. But at the end of the day, you need to climb these different ladders, climb these different steps. You're going to start with a title where someone's going to say, Hey, you're now a project manager or you're now division manager. And that gets you to that level one. And then you need to put the work in to start to rise yourself through the ranks to level five to become that 
kind of top flight leader. And so I think it's really powerful in that while the people you're leading are going to decide what level you're at, it's basically because of the work that you're putting in to get to those different levels. And I think what what I love about what you just did there for us, Chris, is you're giving people a really pretty good roadmap as far as what it's going to look like if you want to put the work in. Yeah. And to your point, I love that you say put the work in because we go back to what we talked about a few minutes ago about the law of process. Leadership or leaders are developed daily, not in a day. And so when we partner with organizations, one of the things we do is we're like, man, listen, we'll come in, we'll do a day of training for you, but it's a catalytic event. That's not what we desire to do. Like this is a partnership and this is a process. Same thing for you as an individual. The work, and you use the word work, I would use the word, you got to have a plan, right? You got to have a leadership development plan. And the other thing is, is that you got to have great self-awareness. John says the hardest person to lead is yourself and the hardest person to know is yourself. And so you better figure out, you got to have great self-awareness. One of the things that we do is that we developed a, most of us will cringe when I say this word, a 360, right? We've all probably been a part of a 360 assessment, right? We're like, oh my gosh, not another one of those. But one of the things we did is we created a Maxwell leadership assessment that is a 360 and the individual rates themselves. And then you send it out to your peers and your direct reports and, you know, your vendors and all stuff. Well, the results come back in each one of these levels. And so you have how you rated yourself and then you have where how everybody else rated you. It's anonymous, but it, and then it's all broken down to level one, two, three, four, and five. And it's a powerful tool because what you do is it, it gives you a benchmark. Well, the first thing you do is you say, man, is there a deviation between how I rated myself and how my peers did or my team? And that's what we got to look for first, because that's usually a big problem. But then secondly, you can walk your team through or your leader can walk you through and say, look, you know, Anthony, I love this 360 came back, man, you got great, great marks. But really here at level two, when it talks about connecting with those that we lead and people wanting to follow you, you know, on a scale of seven, graded out at a 4.6. What I'd like to do is sit down now and develop a leadership plan so that you can put the work into over the next 12 months, increasing your influence, your leadership as a level two leader. And so then you kind of have quarterly check-ins and then 12 months later, you retake it. And that just when you said, hey, put the work in, it just made me think of that because it's a great little tool. It's a great idea to be able to sit down and put together a leadership development plan. If we say that people are our most appreciable asset then we should be investing in our people at all times to make them better leaders, better people themselves, and then better leaders of people. I think that's a really great way to look at it because leadership is influence. Like Chris said, it's also about people and the influence you have to lead these people. I'd like to do real quick here as we wrap up is I'm going to just try to recap the five levels myself, just to kind of, again, from an engineering standpoint, give you a little thought on that. And then I'm going to like Chris, Chris is going to point us somewhere where we can get some more information on these levels before we let him go. Cause I think that it is going to be very helpful. And again, just to run through these levels, level one is that position level where someone, like I said earlier, is going to make you that project manager. They're going to put you in a position and that's going to give you some amount of, I don't know if you want to call it power or some amount of leadership that people are going to look at because they have to look at you, but it's only because they have to, and you have the title, you have to move beyond that to become a powerful leader, which brings us to the next level of level two, which is that permission level where this is where people want to follow you and you're starting to build the relationships to really connect with your team so that they want to go somewhere with you as opposed to having to go somewhere with you. 
Then you're going to move into level three, which is the production side of things. Like Chris said, every good leader has to get stuff done. I mean, you got to accomplish tasks. You got to move the ball forward. So by doing that effectively, again, you're going to be setting that example for people. So now that they want to follow you, now you're kind of showing them what you're going to be able to accomplish together. And you're keeping that high energy and setting that momentum and building the momentum. Then you move to level four, which is people development, which we all know is very important. I mean, listen, a big component of leadership is all the people you have to work with. So if you're not developing your people, your leadership is going to be only to a certain depth. Whereas if you're developing all the people around you, they're also going to start to rise and become powerful leaders. And that's how companies get a lot of momentum and really, really grow. Lastly is that level five, that pinnacle level where you're very intentional about things for a long period of time, which draws people to you and and gives you really that ultimate kind of aspect of leadership where people are there, they want to be with you, they want to stay with you and and really want to accomplish things. So how'd I do there, Chris? Man, listen, I'm taking you on the road with me. That was really, (laughs) really, really good. And you know what I love most was when you described level five, the word that stuck out to me as I was listening to you was intentionality, right? You said you got to be really intentional. It goes back to you saying, hey, you got to put in the work. There's got to be a plan, but you have to be intentional about it. And so great job. Yeah, I thought you did a fantastic job recapping it. We're talking here with Chris Godey from the John Maxwell Company. And Chris, before we let you go, can you give our listeners some information of maybe where they can find out a little bit more about this information? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. One of the things that John and I are kind of on a mission this year is to really take this content, this methodology, the model, right? The common, back to what we talked about in the very beginning, it's a common language around leadership and influence. And we're exposing it to corporate America and across the world, not just domestically, but internationally. And to where I'm actually coming in and doing, you know, 90 minute keynotes or some lessons where I just can add value to you and your team we would love, love to hear from you if that's something that you're interested in. You can just go to the number five, so fivelevelsleadership.com. And there's a, I think there's a little form there you can fill out. Then, you know, myself, my team will be back in touch with you, see how we can serve you best or how we can actually give you some value-added material that will help you through that process. All right, that's great. Once again, Chris Godey from the John Maxwell Company. It was just a pleasure to have him here. We're going to let him go, and then I'm going to come back in a minute and wrap up the episode, and I'm going to talk a little bit about one of my leaders that I think exhibited a bunch of the things that Chris spoke about and how maybe you can use that as a practical example for you as well. But Chris, thanks so much for joining us. I know you're a really busy guy, and we really appreciate you taking the time and for sharing all this great content with us. Man, absolutely. Once again, on behalf of John and the John Maxwell Company, it was a privilege to be on. Anthony, thanks so much for inviting us. Now it's time for the Take Action Today segment of the show. This is the part of the show where we try to give you something actionable to take and then go and do in your career, right? You can listen to all the podcasts in the world, but if you're not putting them to use, then what is the point? All right, so today I'm going to give you a tip that I learned from my own engineering manager on how to really become a better, more engaging leader. But before I do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineering career advancement starts with licensure. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple review options is PPI2Pass.com. 
PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Best of all, they have new digital options for exam review that make preparing easier and more exam-like than ever. Visit ppi2pass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's ppi2pass.com. I also have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TECH8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's T-E-C-C-8, stands for the Engineering Career Coach, and the number 8, T-E-C-C-8. All right, so my tip here, my take action today segment, I mean, Chris obviously gave us a lot of information. I really enjoyed speaking with him. And again, I like the framework of how he laid it out. Here's a quick tip that you can take and implement right away in thinking of this framework, because I think this fits into the five levels of leadership, is to immediately start to show more interest in the people that you lead. And I'm going to give you an example. When I was an engineer, when I would work on something and I would bring it to my supervisor, my one supervisor, no matter what he was doing when I brought it to him, he would stop what he was doing. He would invite me into his office to sit down at a table that he had in the corner of his office not his desk, he had a separate table and we would sit down and we would just go through the plans or specs or whatever it was, the report. It was like, to me, it made me feel like there was nothing else more important to him than the work that I was doing, which obviously made me feel great and was probably one of the reasons that he was one of my favorite managers that I worked for. Now, I had plenty of other managers that did the opposite. Anytime I came to them with something, they would say, I got a meeting, I got a phone call, I'm busy, I can't look at it right now, put it over there, bring it back later. Those things add up over time. So it's a quick take action today tip. It's basically show interest and engage with the people that you lead and you will rise up those higher levels of leadership as Chris discussed. All right, so I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Before I let you go, I do just want to quickly remind you about the Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. The next one starts April 23rd. So it's about a week away if you're listening to this soon after it came out. If you didn't, it doesn't matter. We have another one in June. We run them five times a year. Go to engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. What is it? It's a five-week online workshop. Well, you'll spend two to three hours a week working on it over five weeks, and you will dramatically improve your engineering management skills like communication, how to network and build relationships, how to be more productive, how to become a powerful leader and learn things like delegation, high output management. And also we'll talk about public speaking and building expertise. There's so much baked into this five weeks. You're going to absolutely love it. And there's options for getting access to recordings and being part of our forum beyond the actual session. So check out engineer to manager that's engineer manager.com. And we'd love to have you in our next class. All right. So we'd love to hear your feedback comments and or questions on this episode as usual. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, click on content, and this is episode 173 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. And there you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section. We monitor all comments and we'll respond if you leave us one. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for this month, which focuses on accountability at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.
The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.